and the conversation began with Kimberly's girlfriend asking me, Rob, why aren't you married? <laughs> and so it evolved into a conversation about relationships and somehow um, it wound up with me giving an explanation around the three different categories that men place women in. And what are those categories? Let's talk. Okay. Well, Let's talk. I am on a journey to discover, uncover, and recover love. Life is about helping others. Dear future wifey has been doing exactly that. You stated that women are to present and not to pursue. It has given us a, a roadmap on how relationships were meant to be by God. There are still black men who love the Lord and their end goal is marriage. Thank you for teaching me how to stay lit, how to be intentional and transparent. You read your, your letter, I cried. I just got married two months ago, and I'm listening to the podcast on the Marriage. I'm Lateris R. Whitfield, and this is season four, These Dating Streets, on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. I'm your host, Lateris R. Whitfield. Listen, I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. We're still on the road to 100K subscribers. Are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, come on, man. Let's make a commitment. Hit that subscription button. Also, turn on your notification bell so you'll be notified about upcoming episodes. Man, we're about to hit our two-year mark on April the 15th, so I'm so excited about that. All you who have donated to Kingdom Royale, listen, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. We're going to be doing an update video coming soon and just thanking all of you who have contributed. Um, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Ladarian thrusted suddenly into Child Protective Services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted? Yep, you guessed it, slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. 
Though the Young Kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm Latarius R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. But listen, I got my brother on the podcast today, man. We're going to chop it up. We're going to have fun. We're going to keep it lit. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. My homie, Rob Perry. What's up, brother? Hey, what's up, dog? Thank you for having me. Man, listen, listen, listen. All right, now. All right, now. You're you're in the hot seat. All right, so on the Dear Future Wifey podcast, we keep it lit. We live intentionally and transparently. Uh, Well, first of all, let me just go and do a slight disclaimer. So my brother, he came. He wasn't quite dressed. (laughs) Uh, for the occasion, because you thought this was an audio podcast, huh? I did. It was on Spotify. Yes. Uh, when Kim initially introduced me to Shout it. Shout out to my homie Kim Alexander. Y'all saw her on the episode, uh, Till Death Do We Part. Uh, and you just thought it was strictly on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Shout out to the people who listen to the audio content. Make sure that you leave a review and uh, subscribe to those. But uh, So you just thought it was audio, huh? Well... Well, it, when when it was initially introduced to me, it was audio, and then this morning, Kim did mention that it was video, and I didn't have. Time it didn't. It didn't register. But one thing I want to say: we always got to look at the silver lining. This 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 outfit he has on. What they let you know that he has a job that he is gainfully employed gainfully and he is single because we are in these dating streets and this is a single season and uh he got a good job not just a job he got a good job no 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 he has a career there's a difference between a job and a career this brother has a career right this is true yes uh, all right all right, all right so i just want to go and put that out there for all you single women that may be listening to this podcast and you go hmm god has spoken a word that that may be my husband Ah, I think that's my husband I saw right there. The, I can cook, ladies. Oh, you can cook? I can cook, yes. Okay. Cook. Who taught you how to cook? My mom and um, my 
first pastor's wife. Really? Yeah, uh, Deborah P. Keynes. So she taught you how to cook? Yeah, I was in men's ministry. and um, You hear that? He's involved in ministry at church. That's uh -huh. right. I'm anointed, uh -huh. ladies. There it is. <clears throat> and so uh, our first lady at the time, uh, Miss Deborah P. Keynes, conducted a cooking class for the uh, men. And uh, I learned how to sear uh, fish. So listen, so this brother can cook. He's attractive. He's gainfully employed. And he's single. Why aren't you married? Don't forget intelligence. I went to oh, Dillard. Oh, 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 intelligence. I'm a Dillard graduate. Dillard so graduate. So that means it's, uh, yeah. So, so, <laughs> let's, so let's talk about this. So he's all these things. So I know you're wondering, why aren't you married? Today's episode is titled, Why Aren't You Married? Now, I feel like that's the most disrespectful thing to ask somebody because people have different reasons. Uh, and, and as singles, we hate it when somebody says that, especially if you're a woman like, like you think I just want to be single. I, I want to be married or uh, not be married or whatnot. Uh, some people have chosen that path, but those who uh, want to be married, you realize it's not in your control because the men hold the cards. So I want to ask you, why aren't you married? Mm. It's a good question. Um, I guess simply stated, I haven't, haven't quite met the right person. You haven't met the right one. Yeah. Um, what is the right one to you? <laughs> no, I had an answer, but I'm like, is it politically correct to say that? No, it, uh, we, see, listen, we keep it lit. So we don't go by politically. Yeah, we don't, we don't have to be politically correct. And You're speaking your truth. This is your truth. This is your story. It's accustomed to being in corporate politically correct circles where you of have course. to exercise extreme tact. Um, Claire Huxtable. That's what you want. I want Claire Huxtable. What does Claire Huxtable with, with represent? With a sense of humor. With a sense of humor. So what does that represent to you? What, uh, does, what does Claire represent? That represents our intellect. Uh, yeah, I love smart, cerebral women. Uh, I love funny women. Good. Love funny women. Um, don't meet very, very many of those. Um, Fun-loving women uh, with a sense of adventure. You know, I grew up in Central Florida where um, we, we, um, we tend to be more d dimensional than yeah. from other places. And so... Um, those things are important. But that's essentially it. I mean, I don't think that's asking for too much. It's not. And I'm wondering how, like, you're in your mid-40s, right? I'm a little older than that. You are? How old are you? 54. Okay, so you're 54 years old. Yeah. So you're 54 years old, and in all these years, you haven't met someone that could make you laugh? that has this intellect, you didn't, you, you didn't meet them in college and just overlook them during those years, or what, what happened? That reminds me of a really funny conversation I just had with a friend of mine who's really funny. Um, <laughs> but no, I, so I have. Okay, so you uh, have met that, in that person. In college, I was in a relationship the entire time. Right. Um, however, I, there were women that I met in college that I would have, that I, that I had deemed um, marriage material would be good to marry. Yeah. And, and, and in college, what you felt like that was too young. You had to focus on your career. You I know did. most people meet people in college and they grow with them and get engaged and then get married fresh out of college. Um, but you were like, what? Well, and I'm, I'm thinking about a really funny story. Uh, there was this one particular young lady that I'd met and I'd broken up with my girlfriend and, uh, her and I dated and she was wonderful. I mean, she was, she was that holy grail of women. I mean, she had it all. She was beautiful. She was funny. 
was even athletic. Um, and uh, we were hanging out, having a good time. And my ex-girlfriend came to my place unannounced. And um, I've been there before. Oh, yeah, I've been there before. I said, you didn't get the invitation. Why are you here right now? Oh, I've been there before. And what made it so horrible, Laterris, was that uh, over the course of my friend and I hanging out, uh, she and she was aware that I'd previously been in a relationship and so she'd asked me about my status and I was insistent. No, it's over. We're broken up. <laughs> and uh, which was true. Yeah. It was yeah. the truth. And so uh, with my girlfriend having um, come over, come, having came over uh, unannounced, um, it. You said girlfriend I, or ex-girlfriend? Ex-girlfriend. Okay. I mean, we ex-girlfriend. Are, yeah, when you say girlfriend, that's a different story than ex-girlfriend coming over unannounced. Well, yeah. So she was my ex-girlfriend. Okay. Um, but it suggested that things that, haven't been over yet. Right. And uh, and to be quite frank, I was supposed to, on the day that the other young lady and I had spent time together, I was supposed to have called my ex-girlfriend hmm. to have discussed, you know, the state of our relationship. But I was so excited about spending time with this other young lady that I had completely forgotten. And so she said, hey, we're going to have this conversation today. Yeah. So she, she came to my up. house unannounced. And that was the first time over the course of our relationship that, he, that she'd ever come over unannounced and then what happened come on it's a safe place here <laughs> it, it wasn't good it wasn't good and did she confront the girl or did no, the girl just leave no no I, I i i didn't open the door oh you didn't open the door no, i didn't open the door i <laughs> <laughs> made it worse didn't it yeah i did but i knew i know you in there yeah what? i i i knew um that um Things would have that was that was the lesser of two evils. Yeah, um, to not open that door. To not open that door. Yeah, but then the other girl. What did she say to you? Ooh. Do I really have to answer that question? Yeah, yeah, because this is therapy right now. Yeah. So there's some people that may be in that situation and they just not handling it right. It it, <laughs> it was a long ride home. Yeah, she didn't say a word. She didn't say a word. Yeah, it was just sheer disappointment. Yeah. So this is somebody that uh, that you felt like she was the Holy Grail. Yes. That uncomfortable situation, there was no way to bounce back from that because she's looking at you like you were lying, you were a cheater, all this type of stuff. You're cheating on your girlfriend, and here she is, uh, unbeknownst to her, being a part of this 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 story, and now uh, she don't want nothing to say to you. She has nothing to say to you. Yeah, yeah, essentially. And then... Um she wound up um, going back to her ex-boyfriend. and um, That was it. They got married and got together. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Did you cry? It's okay. No, I didn't cry. I didn't cry. <laughs> I didn't cry. <laughs> I managed to not cry. <laughs> so you think about this. I, I, my, um, my ex-father-in-law said this to me, that he has this ideology that there's this one woman, and then when you miss that, you go searching for that woman and every other woman. Do you subscribe to ideology? I do think that uh, I do think that there's some elements of truth uh, to what your grandfather says, because um, I know um, I've, for the most part, searched for that young lady again, um, and the give it a bit more context. What made that young lady special was she comprised 
some perfect elements between my ex-girlfriend and another young lady whom I had dated who possessed some characteristics that my ex-girlfriend liked. So I had always searched for a hybrid between those yeah, two, and yeah. that young lady was it. Gosh, that's so good. Yeah. Because we don't we don't really realize that is that so when you when people ask you why aren't you married, mm -hmm. how do you normally respond? Oh no, let me not ask how you respond. How does that make you feel? Um it doesn't make me feel bad because most of the time when I'm asked that question, it's um it's in a complimentary fashion, so right. to speak. It's um, hey, you seem like a really nice guy that would be marriable. Um so it seems mysterious that you aren't married. Right. So, um, so it's again, so I don't, I don't feel insulted because it's typically coming from a place, uh, of admiration of, of yeah. admiration. So I admire these qualities about you, but then why haven't you pulled the trigger and why can't you find the one in this vast sea of all these amazing women? Well, I'll tell you now <clears throat> what I, what I also get that can be a repellent is this assumption that I'm a commitment foe. Yes. And that isn't the truth at all. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of striking. And what that suggests is that those women have a really narrow perspective. They don't take into a, they don't take into consideration that it could be that I understand that I have a good understanding of the magnitude of the commitment that marriage entails. So I may be more discriminating than talk others. about it. Yeah. See, that's what people don't want to talk about. And I'm glad you touched on that. Mm -hmm. What does marriage mean to you? Right. It is a covenant. It is a it is a covenant between a man, a woman, and the living God. And so with that, I don't believe that it should be broken. So so it's not that I'm so I guess I, in a sense I am commitment phobic, maybe afraid of maybe a phobia around committing to the wrong person. And confronting a circumstance they may, that may warrant a divorce, which I don't intend to ever have. So you say once I'm getting married, we end that's the it. We yeah, end that's it. That's it. Um, and I have male friends who are married who will still call me wanting to go to social functions. Yeah. Where they know I have a lot of attractive yeah. single female friends. And those are things that you ain't going to play them games. No, no. And yeah. I don't think that, uh, not to judge yeah. my male friends, but um, I don't think that should be on your palate once you've made an election, made an election to get married. Um, I he think said you made, made, listen, this made <clears throat> an election to get married. It's that Dylan education. <laughs> <laughs> he said once you've made an election yeah. to get married. Once you've made an election to get married, you should have done an assessment. So marriage for you means eternal till death do yes, we part. Absolutely. Do you think you'll be able to, uh, do you agree or oh, no, let me find your stance. What are your stance as far as infidelity? Would you divorce your wife for infidelity? I would. Yes. You said you would. Yeah. Because biblically that's the grounds right. for divorce. Would you divorce your wife if she just stopped whatever you felt like were her wifely duties, such as wasn't having sex with you or whatnot. And uh, look at him. I start the flooding right there. <laughs> No, it, but that's a real issue. And it is a real I've issue. I've heard quite a few brothers complain about that. All day. Yeah. All that's, day. That's a real issue. But I think, but there's another side to that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that in that instance, the 
onus would be on the man to maybe do some introspection and see whether or not there's something he's doing or isn't doing that may lead to his wife not wanting to have sex with him. So um, that would be my first one. I don't think that's grounds for divorce, but I think it is grounds to do some introspection to see, hey, what am I doing or not doing in this marriage that would cause my wife to no longer be physically attracted to me or find me physically appealing or wanting to engage in sex? Good. That's a good point. Do, so, you, do you believe in therapy? I do, yes. Do you believe that, like, from a marriage, uh, in marriage, that couples should consistently have some type of marriage therapist uh, involved where they are doing tune-ups throughout the marriage? Or you're tired to be like, I don't need nobody in my business like this. If it's warranted. I think if it's warranted. So you believe that only if there's some type of discourse, then they should go to uh, marriage counseling? I think so. Um, I know for me personally, um, I'm pretty private. So my first inclination would be to let's work it out amongst ourselves. And then uh, if there weren't any, <clears throat> if there wasn't any progress there, then we may need to seek out a third party. Yeah, that's what a lot of men are. Well, most men just, they won't even go to marriage therapy to begin with, but they'll be like, we're going to work it out. I'm private. Don't, nobody don't need to be in our business. If it don't work, then it just don't work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot of them not, we're getting new in our community to be opened up for uh, therapy and marriage therapy. No, I think that, um, <clears throat> I think that, that, uh, that's where humility and a, and a man having a sense of security comes into play and understanding that uh, you, you're not necessarily losing esteem uh, it, or it shouldn't detract from your, your, your sense of self right. by humbly admitting, hey, this is above me. I need to make a decision that's in the best interest of my marriage. That's good. That's so. good. I saw this video. I saw this video. Uh, my homie Kim showed me this video. Um, and it was you sharing your thoughts of women and dating. Um, do you know what video I'm talking about? I do. I do. So let's talk about that. Um, you said there's three categories that men place women in. Yes. Um, to give you a bit more context, we, Kimberly, myself, and one of her girlfriends who was in town right. for her daughter's cheerleading competition, we were having a, well, and the conversation began with Kimberly's girlfriend asking me, Rob, why aren't you married? <laughs> and so it evolved into a conversation about relationships and somehow um, it wound up with me giving an explanation around the three different categories that men place women in. And what are those categories? Let's talk. Okay. Well, Let's talk. Uh, this what I call category C. And that is a woman that a man is only physically attracted. He's physically attracted to her. He's intimate with her, and that's the extent of that relationship. Right. No public appearances, no introduction to friends, come over, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, go home. That is a man's lowest standard right. for a woman. Right. So that's category C. Then there's category B. That's the woman a man will date, but not marry. He's physically attracted to her. He enjoys her company. He'll commit to her to a certain extent, but he won't marry her. And then there's category A, and that's the woman that a man will marry. He's physically attracted to her. He trusts her. He enjoys her company. And he sees how she creates value in his life. And so I think, and the question, I, the follow-up question I usually get 
is what distinguishes the B category from the A? What are the factors that distinguishes those two women? And it's two. With the B woman, there's usually something about that woman's internal person that the man isn't comfortable with. Mm. In most instances, he doesn't trust her. Mm. He doesn't trust her. Um, and then the <clears throat> and then the other thing, what distinguishes the A woman is there's usually something about her. Well, first, that man is able to trust her. And in him trusting her, he usually opens himself up to her and will go to her with problems or issues he may be having. And what that does is that positions the woman to be able to create value in that man's life. And if you ever listen to men who've been married for extended periods of time, the two things you always hear them reference is my wife is my best friend. And they'll make a reference to how that, how their wives create value in their lives, how their, how the quality of their lives is improved by something that their wife uh, is able to uh, render. Rob, let me tell you something. You I'm hit, listening. You hit the nail on the head. Do you realize I did an episode, I don't know if it was season one or two, but I said, what is greater than love to me in the relationship is trust. Yes. When I say women's like, no, it's not. I said, how you going to tell me what's great? It's how you going to tell me what's great to me? Like, like I'm yeah. telling you what's great. I said, you talk to a man. A man will say he loves you all the time. And cheat on you, do whatever. It, 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 people get on stages in concerts and be and talking to strangers that they've never strangers call fans and say, "I love you." Right? They don't. They ain't finna do nothing with these people. They don't trust them with their bank account. They don't yeah. trust them with their lives. They say, "I love you." We casually say that love has so many different categories. Yeah. Love. There's seven types of love, but trust. It's trust. It's huge. It ain't no several different types of trust. It's trust. Either I trust you or I don't. And you hit the nail on the head. You said someone category A and B, the distinguishing factor of that is trust. trust. That I trust you. I trust you. Because for a man to get on his knees in a submitted position and say, will you marry me? He's actually humbling himself before you, which you also said that it takes a man to be humble in order to submit himself under authority and counseling. Well, he's in the, in the proposal, he submitted. She stands above his head. He's kneeled down below and he says, will you marry me? Hopefully he's made a considerable investment in whatever this token of uh, um, um, covenant is with this ring and say, hey, will you marry me? He's invested in it. He says, will you marry me? Because he has to trust you enough to say, man, out of all the women that I could be doing this with, all these other women were my my C and B, you were my A. Yeah. And a man, when he gets in that vulnerable position, it's extremely scary for him. That's why when you see men getting married, they be like, you see them before they finna go, before they get, or before they propose, they're nervous. And before they go and say that I do, they sweat and they like, oh, this is, I He's like, why are you so nervous? You, you've made the decision. This is a woman in your life. He's like, man, because he doesn't want to make the wrong decision right. because he knows that if he does it right, he's giving his all into this thing. And if he gambles wrong, his heart is broken. It's hard for men to recover from heartbreak. Very difficult. Very difficult for men to recover. Um, yeah, that is, that's actual, that is real trauma for men. Um, so while I've, I haven't been married, um, I did experience a breakup from a long extended relationship and um, yeah, it was traumatic. How long was that relationship? Six years. Six years. Yeah. Was, was this a, was this somebody that you thought that you could marry? 
No. No. At no. what stage did you know you couldn't marry them? What year? Because another question women will want to know is mm -hmm. that, hey, listen, how do I know? It's easy to know if you're a C. But how do you know if you're that B and A? It can get tricky. Well, with this particular relationship, it was, it was interesting. So for me, she was a B. But, 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 I knew that in general, she was an A. So while I knew in general she had great wife qualities, for me individual, I thought it would be difficult only because she had a more introverted personality. Okay. But outside of that, she had exceptional wife qualities. And my concern was, was that in a marriage context, it would have been difficult. Yes. So, so you knew that based on your personality type, that doesn't quite fit for you. Yeah. And, and, and the, the analogy I like to use is a sports analogy. You know, we're here in Dallas with folks, a Dallas Cowboys fan. Yeah. It, I kind of felt like Barry Switzer when he was at OU and he had Troy Aikman hmm. as his quarterback, but he also had Jamil Holloway who could run. And so while he had, while he knew Troy Aikman was a championship caliber quarterback for the type of offense that he wanted to run, it required someone who, who had legs, who was mobile. And that wasn't Troy Aikman. It was Jamel Holloway. So, again, Troy Aikman, great championship quarterback, but just not for the particular offense that Barry Switzer wanted to run. That's good. So. And that's why people shouldn't take <clears throat> rejection as rejection they should look at it as redirection to say listen exactly. i'm a great person it's just this is not my this is not my person you know and i'm glad that you said no she is a wife she, she just wasn't mine yeah and and she's married as far as i know um i know i do know that she had gotten married i i'm not in touch with her so i don't right. know if she's still married but um as i rightly predicted she would get married and and she did and so um people will wonder why did you reserve six years of her life knowing that you were never going to marry her? That's a good question. A tough question. One I should be fearful uh, <laughs> of answering <laughs> on a massive platform. <laughs> well, I mean, I was young and it was convenient. Yeah, so that, so, it, so while, so while I, I knew it wouldn't lead to marriage for where I was at that time in my life, it, it had value and it was convenient. But what my girlfriend will tell you was that I wasn't deceptive because she later told me after we broke up, she said, you know, you were always honest That's good. with me. That's good. She said, uh, you told me that you weren't going to marry me. And whenever you would reference the future, she was never included. <laughs> you, you never included me. So, so, um, so deceptive I wasn't. So I've always been honest. And um, She said when you reference the future, people need to pay attention to that. That's important. Yeah, I mean, I was forthright with her. Yeah. So give me an example. How how were you referencing the future but omitting her from the <laughs> from season three of your life? What, what would you say so people could pay attention to those signs? <laughs> well, uh, if, and, and, and I'm quoting something. She said, uh, I would talk about you know, wanting to start a business and I would say I was going to do it with my brother. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, uh, but I was honest. I mean, so I can hang my hat on that. Mm -hmm. I was, I was always forthright with her. 
say you and um would you when would you did she ever have conversations about marriage? Did it ever get down to a point where people say, Do you see a future with me? It did. We did have that conversation, but it was during a time it was after we had broken up. Okay. We had broken up and then we went back and forth for a little bit. And um there was some talk about marriage. And then um the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, I realized I said, Hey, you know what? My emotions are all over the place. I need to refrain from making a long-term decision when I can really look at this thing objectively mm. and make a sober, cold decision and make the right decision. And uh, once my emotions kind of dissipated, I was like, you know, no, this, this won't work. So that was during the breakup. That was when y'all were trying to think about rekindling. Exactly. Yeah, we had broken up and then we were looking at maybe reconciling. And I did contemplate marriage. And something interesting that happened was um, during the course when my emotions were kind of swirling, when I was contemplating marriage, I said, you know, I need to wait until I can look at this objectively. But in the interim, I need to hear my own voice in an objective tone. So I called my father. Mm. I called my dad. He said, I need to hear my own voice in an objective tone. Yeah. And, and my dad and I are very similar. And so I called him. What did he say? He said, um, he said, son, you, you can't see marriage as a solution to a problem. He said, if your basis for marrying her is because you see it as the solution to the issue y'all are having, you're making a mistake. 100%. You shouldn't do it. And he said, the issue that you're having difficulty with, you're going to have to ask yourself whether or not you can trivialize it. Because if you can't, it will always be a source of tension. Yes, it will. In your relationship, which will lead to, to a failed marriage. Yeah, 100%. And so, uh, oh, daddy wise, boy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. I, yeah. My dad is exceedingly wise. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's uh, real right there. I mean, yeah. that's 1000% truth. Uh, being someone who's experienced divorce, uh, trust me, that was, that's priceless. Um, when you look at it in this culture now where um, you have women that are pursuing men, what is your take on that? I've got a different take. I've got a different take on that. I, I, I think it's okay. I think it's perfectly fine. On what standpoint? When you say, when you, when you look at pursue, meaning a woman, you feel like it's okay for a woman to walk up to you and say, Rob, listen, I find you attractive. Can I take you out? I think it's perfectly fine. Yeah. And, and some men, particularly Southern men, where guys tend to be more conservative, they'll shun that. They'll have a different take on it. My take on it is a little different in that I see it as a woman who's assertive, who isn't afraid to step aside, to look outside, look beyond societal norms and can assert herself. So that tells me that she has a sense of security. And I think for me, that would, I see that as an asset. When you broke down, uh, you said you did deep research on the story of Ruth. Yes. And is that where you get this ideology from? Yes. That, that is a part of my basis for believing it's okay. Because if you, if you remember Ruth went to the threshing floor where Boaz was. And it, and when Ruth uncovered Boaz's feet and asked her to redeem him, that was actually a marriage proposal. Now, I'm not suggesting that women propose. go off and propose, but I do think it's okay for women to assert themselves. And I do think that there are circumstances 
that actually warrant a woman being more assertive. In the case of Ruth and Boaz, I think Naomi understood that given the age differential and Boaz is standing in the community, that there may have been some discomfort in him showing aggression towards Ruth because they were like 40 years apart. Right. And so that was why she encouraged Ruth to, hey, go to the threshing floor, get yourself in order. Do you think that based upon the customs and traditions of those days that because women didn't have a lot of rights, they didn't, they couldn't, you know, own a lot of stuff and all that. And there is their husbands and men that had to like, even when their uh, father passed away, it would be left to the sons and that type of stuff. So that women did that out of sheer desperation because of a lifestyle they knew they wanted to survive um and when you look at the story of ruth ruth mm -hmm. was ruth was struggling ruth was ruth, yeah. ruth was poor you know she was working in the fields, so she yeah. went from the fields to the palace she went from being a worker to being next to you know a billionaire you know yeah. and so do you think that ruth has some little gold digger tendencies no no she didn't um she didn't because mind you it was Naomi's idea. Right. It was Naomi's idea for Ruth to go and see Boaz. R Ruth, uh, it, it appears, was oblivious to Boaz's interest. Right. It was Naomi who recognized it. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Ruth's financial state and the financial state in general of women during that era. Right. That... That's one of the one of the things I like to share with women as it pertains to Ruth. Back then, it was paramount that women be in a marriage. Yeah. Because if they didn't, they were destitute. Yeah. And that spoke to Ruth's character. Right. And her electing to leave Moab and go back to Jerusalem, go back to Bethlehem right. with Naomi. Because it was illegal for Jewish men to engage in relationships with Moabite women. Right. So Ruth was oblivious to engaging in a relationship with a man. In fact, that's why Orpah, her sister, yes. went back to Moab when Naomi explained to her, hey, look, I'm going back to Bethlehem. The famine's over. Um, Y'all aren't going to be able to get a man over there. Right. <laughs> Even if I would have kids, by the time they're old enough to marry you, <laughs> yeah, they, it'll be futile. Yeah. And Orpah was like, hey, you know what? <laughs> You're right, Ruth. Later, I'm going back to Moab. But Ruth was like, I don't care about a man. I want to follow you and your God. When she said that, boy, I want to follow you. And mind and you, God. when Boaz asked his uh, worker about Ruth, the worker shared that with Boaz. So Boaz was cognizant of Ruth's character. So she was not only physically appealing, but she possessed solid moral character. Let me ask you, why is that why is that important for a woman to have character? It sounds oh, like a crucial. it sounds like an crucial. obvious question, but why is that? I did this video and 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 you tell me your take on this. I did this video that went viral on YouTube a month and a half ago, and I said I don't care about the body count of a woman. She could have sex with 25, 35 uh men and they in her past. Um I don't, I don't, I don't care about that, that I know how to cultivate the woman and the version of her that I'll get no man has ever had. That video has more comments than any video I've ever done uh, on YouTube. And it's a little 
maybe 20 something second clip men have taken that video yeah. they've done reaction videos to it yeah. they've done held panels and discussions and lives on it talking about this brother has lost his mind he's a simp why would you want a woman with such low moral character if she's been to 25 35 guys then then she's worthless you're just gonna be number 26 or 36 um and they said that that speaks to a character where i joined the live one day and spoke to this one guy and i said listen i'm not saying that she's fresh off of 25 35 penises i'm saying that right. that's her past that we all have a past and a woman will have to accept my past because i've been with way way more than that so if my story is that, then how can I have a double standard to say, oh, this woman, she only need to be with zero. And I asked this guy, I said, well, so what's the, what's the threshold? What's, what's, what's the number that makes you uncomfortable? Well, I mean, typically no more than one, but the most about three. I said, so you tell me you meet a 40 something year old woman. <clears throat> right. And then you say, if she's had more sex with more than three guys, that that's, that, that that's uncomfortable with you. And, and uh, he was like, yeah, because that just shows that she's, she's not able to, um, what do you say? Imprint. Make them sound like uh, coyotes or whatever, but the, and the wolf packs that um, that she's not able to uh, connect with the man if she's been with so many men that the the possibility of her, I'll say the spiritual word cleaving to one man mm -hmm. in marriage is is just it's just not gonna happen because she's shared and a woman's not built to be like that. So when you look at character as these men um, broke down my video. Do you look at care? Does that does character and her body count in the past are they synonymous? I don't. I don't necessarily believe so. I don't. I don't think the two are. I don't think the two are necessarily correlated. Right. Um, and that's why I kind of have that that look of bewilderment. I think it's. I think it's a bit narrow for men to make that presumption. Exactly. Um, now, in some instances, it, it, it could be indicative right. of a woman having a lower mer lower uh, 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 state of character, or it could be just that she just enjoys sex. I had this girl on the podcast that said that, uh, and people, <laughs> women were lighting into her, this girl named Eugenia Washington, and she was like, I enjoy sex. Like, yeah. why, why are we not talking about that? I enjoy it. I'm comfortable with my body. This is what I do. Yeah. And they like, oh, my God. And they going off on her. And I was like, stop beating people up for that. You ain't having sex with her. Leave her alone. If that's what she does, that's what she does. And until she finds whatever that journey, she's on her own individual journey. But stop beating up people for them having an, a belief that you don't subscribe to. Yeah, I think that's the less sophisticated response. That's the that's the phrase I'll use, less sophisticated. Less sophisticated response. Yeah. My Dillard degree <laughs> has taught me that's a less sophisticated. I'm going to start talking like you. I'm like, you know what? That was not a sophisticated response that you- I mean, it, It's yeah. narrow. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's narrow. Yeah, it's, it's very narrow. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it necessarily correlates with- so when you look at character, what do you look at? What are, what are, what are the characteristics of having great character? Honesty. Ah. Honesty. Yeah, honesty. I mean, I think it starts there. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the staple of uh, having good characters, being honest, having integrity. Your words and your actions are integrated. They're one. Hmm. Do you find like that's, that people are economical with the truth? I do. I do. Um, I could really go somewhere with that. No, we're going, we here now. <laughs> we here now. Yeah. So, um, um, in many cultures, 
um, namely Dallas, where it's it's a business town. Um, this is a place where people come to advance their careers primarily. Um, I noticed that women here are very image conscious. Mm. Um, and it's as though they um, live in this perpetual state of, um, of a fear of being scrutinized, placed under scrutiny and judgment as if they're in a corporate environment, mm. even when they're in casual social environments. Um, and so I see engagement, a lot of engagement in it, what I'll call image management, which to me is a form of deception. Oh, talk about and, it. And what I like to share with women is when you do things like that, what you communicate to men is that you will willingly engage in deception. And that will place you in that B category in every no time. time for, every, every time. time. Every time. Every time. So like, so a lot of people may not understand what does that look like though? When you say image conscious and um, because they, you know, here's a saying that we've heard be a, first lady in public and a freak behind closed doors. Does that, is that a part of being image conscious? Yes. Yes. But, but, but I'll give some latitude there. Um, man, I, I, I want to share something personal. Um, like for example, I know when I meet women, um, I can see where, if I ask a question, we're engaged in a conversation, I, I may ask a question. Rather than give an honest response, they'll give a very measured response that they think I'll find appealing. Ooh. That may be a departure from the truth. So what that tells me is they're trying to maintain some sort of image that they don't mind departing from the truth. And I, I couldn't trust them. You picked that up real quick. Real quick. Yeah. Do you ever, do you, do you ask a follow-up question to see if, do you try to test that, that answer again with a follow-up? Yeah. Uh, uh, to see how far they'll take the deception. <laughs> and the other thing that I get is I'll get women who will go into dissertations about their careers. Um, and the concern that that raises is the women thinking that that is what that, well, they'll think that that's what I find, what I'll find appealing about them. And it isn't. Um, and they also think that their socioeconomic strata is what makes them relevant in the relationship. Mm. So we've heard a lot of videos with men talking about how men don't care about that stuff. They, we don't. In fact, I learned how to sell from that experience. Because when women would go on these diatribes around those careers, around their careers, it bore no relevance to me in terms of making a relationship decision. <laughs> and so <laughs> this is a real. And so when I when I took on my first job in the pharmaceutical sector, the guy who was training me, he wanted me to go directly into this conversation with the doctor about the sales aid. And I'm thinking, well, what if this isn't, isn't relevant to him? And so rather than do what the trainer advised me to do, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were in Cleveland, Texas. I asked the doctor, I said, hey, doc, you know, patient comes in. Once you confirm the diagnosis, you decide that they need this uh, a medication from this class. How do you choose one from the other? And he said cost. And it was as though he, he said, it, it, I base it on cost. I said, really? 
And it was as though he heard the conversation between my trainer and I. He said, it doesn't matter how well the drug works <laughs> if the patient can't afford it. Relevance. Relevance. So if I had done what my trainer had asked, I would have spoken to him about something that was completely irrelevant <laughs> to, his, to his prescribing decision. And I learned that <laughs> from conversations with women going into giving me dissertations about their careers, which I had no concern about. So you tell me when you say, is it no concern or little concern? Because like, would you date a woman who just worked at a fast food restaurant? Well, let me, so I do like smart cerebral women. Right. And, and I don't have a problem with accomplished women. In fact, I think that um, I'm ideal for accomplished women in that I have a pretty good sense of security. Right. I think that women who are accomplished need men with a very strong sense of security right. who can support them right. and, not, and, not, and not, not feel insecure by their status and, and feel the need to demoralize them. Right. So, um, so I don't have a problem with women who are accomplished. The problem I have is when their accomplishment completely defines their person. Mm, talk about it. When their lives don't extend beyond their careers. That's when it's a problem. I think you said that in a very palatable mm. way where people should be able to receive that I and not be offended because that is very palatable um, because you said defining them. Yeah. Um, do you think in the reverse or the opposite with men, do you think our careers are, how do you think do you, do we, are we defined by our careers? Because I, we're always taught like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and hopefully I, this isn't offensive, but I have noticed that in Texas culture, it, it seems to be very prevalent because I think in Texas culture, it tends to be a bit more status oriented. And um, I think when men reach a certain socioeconomic strata, they understand that makes them appealing to women. Right. And, Oftentimes, they'll use that as a license to abuse women. I think that's worldwide. I think that yeah. from a yeah from a worldwide perspective, the more access you have to finances, um, social status, influence, yeah, influence. It's kind of like listen, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm top dog here. So listen, it's a privilege for you to be able to have a little bit of my time. And, 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 and you're absolutely right. But the dynamic that creates is when women meet men who are accomplished, they'll act indifferent and apathetic towards those men. And they'll try and trivialize their success <laughs> to not come across to, to, to not run the risk of them being vulnerable and being subject to that abuse. Mm. When I would go out in my suits, women would walk past me and not say a word. Really? But I, if, but if I'm in a place in workout gear, really, I get a completely different response. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. And I think so, it has everything to do with that, with that dynamic, with them believing that this guy works in a professional capacity. Um, you can't speak to him. And what about when you wearing scrubs like you have on today? Do will women approach you? Yeah. Or, they will. Yeah. They probably figure I'm um 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 like a orderly or something. Really? No no disrespect to orderlies. Yeah, but, but you, you say that's what you why do you feel like they think of you like that with what you have on? Yeah, I, or, or or they'll think I'm a um they never think I'm a doctor. Really? I don't I don't yeah, I don't I don't get that. 
That's interesting. So, th- so they're more comfortable approaching you with thinking that you're like an orderly or a tech or something as right. a, than versus saying tech that was a better word. Yeah, Thank tech. You. Then saying that you're a freaking doctor. They like, nah, he ain't a doctor. So I'll go talk to him. Yeah, I can talk to him. He's 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 approachable. And when you have a suit, not approachable. Not approachable. Workout gear, approachable. I can remember. This is a true story. Um, I had met. I was out. And I'd met this young lady, and we were having a great time. It was good. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good time, huh? It was a good time. (laughs) It was a good time. And, um, yeah, she went on to talk about um, um, some things that could happen. And um, he said, went on to talk about things that can happen. What you, what you talk about? (laughs) You said she went to talk about some things that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. We were at this uh, venue. We were at this social venue. And we were having a great time, and we had elected to go to another venue, and we were going to go dancing. And um, it was a great time. And the valet pulled my car around. Oh, what kind of car you got? Well, at, at, at that time, I, I had a Porsche. And she saw that, and then what? And it, 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 the, the whole tone had changed. Really? Whole tone to change, and we wound up not going to the second venue. Really? Yeah. She was like, "Well, you know, I just got my look." I was like, "I, I don't care. It doesn't matter." But she really, she, yeah. She, yeah. And you were enjoying your time with her. We were having a great time, great time. Yeah, we were about to go to this other venue and dance. And she saw your car and just, oh, just basically shut down. Shut down. What did you think about that? What did that tell you? That. That. There's something about the culture whereby men, I guess, who are accomplished, if you will, um, use their socioeconomic strata to abuse women. That's what you, that was your takeaway. Or, or that, well, that was one. Or she may have had some esteem challenges whereby she had deemed herself inferior. Inferior. Which I thought was a not so wise position in that I had clearly made my interest known known like very apparent and she act like that that was going to diminish her car would diminish your value of her yeah and and i didn't care at all and men don't care about that yeah i'm I'm just a car guy (laughs) it doesn't extend beyond that i don't i don't I i didn't see my car as a means for me to exalt myself above her but she she took it as such that was that was her interpretation and it was a very wrong one. And she already started saying what? She said, oh, my, I just got a, you said she's got like a little key or whatever. She started actually diminishing her vehicle. Yeah, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? I want to go dancing <laughs> and do the other stuff you were talking about. Do the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> have a great time. Yeah. You, you know, why are you doing us like this? You, you blew the high. <laughs> <laughs> But um, <laughs> that is crazy. But 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 I think, um, and I would think it'd be the other way around. I yeah. think it'd be the other way around where a woman be like, "Oh, he got okay," you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and they like, "Shoot, all right, uh, let me just leave my car here. Let's hop in yours. We'll come back and get mine." You know, I thought it'd be that. That would have been my approach. Yeah, it's, but, um, it's 
That's interesting because I've never I never hear that take. I hear the opposite. I hear about the women that are more attracted to a guy based on his car and be like, he drive this, he drive that. They'll lead with what he drives versus uh, the opposite. That's that's interesting. Yeah, it it completely blew the high. I mean, the whole it, it was as though a chill just came <laughs> over. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh God. So let me ask you this. Do you want to be married? I do. I do. Why? Well, I came from a two-parent household, and, uh, and I still like to have kids. And so I'd like to have children in the context of a marriage. Now, when you look at that, now that changes the, the does that, in your mind, change the age range in which you'll date? And that's a part of my conundrum. Yep. Is I don't particularly care for younger women. My preference, actually, my preference has always been older women. Yep, that's, that's mine's yeah, always I've been always that. Dated older women, um, so that's a conundrum that 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 poses a problem for me. In that, again, I don't particularly care for younger women because, again, I like smart, cerebral women that that are insightful. Yeah, um, I'm one of those guys that likes to defer to women. Like, if I have a decision, mm-hmm. I have a circle of women who I defer to to glean their perspective. Why? Because I think that women see things differently than men do. And I found that uh, women can have amazing insight into things that we never consider. Mm-hmm. And so I think overall, it puts me in a position to make a much better decision because I have better information. So and you so, value the intellect of a woman. That's the, I love that. Oh, God, I love yes. That. Yeah. Condi Rice is in my top five. There it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she yeah. a beast. Yeah, she yeah. is a beast. Were you about to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, that's the one thing I cannot compromise on. I, I have to have a smart, cerebral woman. So now you said the conundrum. So what do you consider young? Woo. Well, for me, um, under 40 would be young. Well, well, not under 35. Under 35. Young. That's fair. Under 35 would be young. That's fair. So 35 and up, fair game. Yeah. So you can find that all day. That's a good, that's a yeah. good, that's a good age range. Yeah, and it's funny. Um, um, I've been fortunate that I've been able to attract younger women. So So you good. Yeah. You, mean, you, I, you just need the one that's cerebral. I need that Claire Huxtable. Uh, Claire Huxtable, where are you? Claire. With jokes. With jokes. Claire yeah. Huxtable with jokes. Claire, Claire Huxtable with, with, with Sherry Shepard and Tiffany Haddish uh, jokes. <laughs> and you're in love then, huh? Oh, done. So, let me ask you this. Done. I always ask men this question, especially those. I normally ask guys after they propose this question. How long do you think it will take you to know that that's the one? Not long. What's, what? Quantify that with time. Man, not long at all. If I had to quantify it with time, if the gun were to my head, I, th- I think you know in a matter of months. And I've told women, I've, I really, th- most men, I'm speaking in very general terms, yeah. most men know within their first three interactions with a woman where they're going to take the relationship. And about 60% of that decision is made or a very strong notion is developed with, within their first interaction. Yeah. Quick story. I, um, I had a conversation with a client, with a, a prospective client. 
and um, and it was a female physician. And my friend who introduced me to her, uh, he was actually a childhood friend of hers, and he knew her husband. And I told him after our first conversation, I said, "I'll bet her husband met her in high school. I'll bet her husband is her high school sweetheart." He said, "Rob, you're close. It's actually middle school." You said middle school? No, I, I know that's what I'm saying. He said it was he said in middle, middle school. school. He said, "Yeah, he said they started dating in middle school." What made you say that? I, I could tell. I said, with her, you know, immediately she's a wife. She, she's, she's a wife. Yeah, she was, um, she was, she had a very warm, endearing disposition. She was uber bright, uber bright and uber accomplished. I mean, this sister's wildly accomplished, but I was able to discern that her accomplishment was just that. It didn't, it, it didn't. I don't, it didn't transcend in her relationship. Like, I don't think that she emasculates her husband because he's not as accomplished as she is. You can see that. I could, I could see that. I could see that, that, that isn't a, that isn't an issue in her relationship. And I think it's safe to assume that she's the breadwinner. She has a huge, huge healthcare practice. You know what, I used to get, so over the last, this, this was really deep in 2021, I found myself, anytime I was out, like, uh, I'm trying to, like, I, I talk about this in my podcast, how I'm not the type of guy that just walk up to a woman and be like, hey, how you doing? Hey, such, 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 such. It has to be some type of group setting or a setting that I can hear you interact, and then I'll be like, oh, you know, I'll get your phone number after said interaction. Mm -hmm. But um, what I found, I started just saying, I'm going to be self-aware and find out what is it that makes, what will make me approach a woman. And every woman that, that caught my attention, I'd be like, oh, I'll talk to her. And I look down her hand. She's married. Oh, I'll talk to her. Dang, married. Married. And I said, why am I? I said, my eyes automatically, I'm attracted to married women. And, I, and I'm like, what is that essence about them without even knowing they're, they're, they're married? And I go, oh, it's something. To yeah. She's married. I feel your pain. <laughs> I, I feel your pain. And that's something I, I've laughed with about me and my female friends who are married or who've been married more than once, that it's interesting how they can manage to marry multiple times, whereas there are many women- That can't get one. That can't get one. And there's something about those women. Um, I don't know, what, what, what do you think it is? I think it's a couple of things. All of my, all of my female friends who I've rightly predicted would get married, the common denominator amongst all of them was the ability to maintain healthy platonic relationships with men. And the role that plays in marriage is that men have an inherent need for companionship. Yeah. So women who are able to meet that friend, that need for friendship, they win. They win. The ability to maintain a healthy, a healthy platonic, platonic, platonic relationship with men, women who are able to do that well, win they win that is the common denominator amongst every single one of my friends who i predicted would get married they all possess that quality that is interesting that's, that's interesting mm -hmm. I, I can't debate that 
funny story, another quick funny story. One of my friends um, who's really accomplished, her and I were having a conversation about relationships and I shared that with her and she thought it was ridiculous. And later on that evening, she went to a social, like a, a house function. And she said there was a guy there who was recently divorced. And when the guy was citing the reason why his marriage failed, he said, my wife and I, we were never friends. Mm. And my friend, she said, Rob, I thought of you immediately. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and again, remember, I, I alluded to this earlier when I talked about if you talk to men who've been married for extended periods, the two things you'll always hear them reference. My wife is my best friend. And she had a value. And she creates value in my life. Yeah. That's a good way to wrap this up. Well, That's listen, it. how can people uh, reach you? You're, are you on Instagram? I am. I never post anything, but I am on Instagram. Uh, R.L. Perry. R.L. Perry. So you never post anything. Why not? I, I, I just got on it um, to to be able to access uh, the funny reels that are on <laughs> Facebook. So so the, apparently they post reels Real from Instagram, Instagram to Facebook. To yeah. Facebook. Yeah. And so I like to read the comments to see yeah. what people are thinking. Yeah, me uh, so, uh, but do you respond if people reach out to you? Are you, oh, do you yeah. ever look at your, your comment? I mean, not your comment, but your messages and respond. Are you active enough or will it go into? I never get any message on, on Instagram. So well, that's about to change. Oh, Rob Perry. Uh -oh. oh, Jesus. That's about to change. <laughs> Lord. Oh, it's women all across the globe right now that you're speaking to. And it's somebody out there that says, that's my husband. I feel it in my spirit. I feel it right now. They feel the anointing coming through the screen. And we're is speaking to them right now and saying, that's my husband. How do I get to him? I don't care about my career, though I'm accomplished, but I don't care about that. I care more about you. And she finna come to you. And that's what she finna do. So hey. we're gonna we gonna, we gonna speak that. And the fact that you and so and so I always tell women this. I say um, men should pursue and not persuade, and a woman should present and not pursue. So what I mean by that is that a man should sit there and be like, "Hey, I like you. He's a, he's pursuing you. And if he ever gets to the point to where he's trying to persuade you, like, don't you see what kind of man I can be? Don't you see you went too far? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Kill that." Kill that. Let yeah. that die. And a woman should present uh, not so much of pursuing you, but she can sit there and make an introduction. Yeah. And you, a man, he's attracted. He's going to do the rest. He's going to be like, hey, who? Hold on. Let me look. Let me go look all at her Instagram. Let me talk to her. Make the initial reach out. And then you do the rest. And when that happens, um, when that happens, ladies, you have to be responsive. Oftentimes, women will harbor this notion that, well, if he really wants to talk to me, he'll jump through these fiery hoops. Nobody got time for that. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. Funny, quick, funny. Can I, do I have time to yeah, tell a quick, funny story? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, say it, say it. So some years ago, I was at the, uh, the Manpower Conference took place in my hometown. And um, I had my best female friend come out and meet me. Um, and so we were at this dining place. A lot of the brothers from the conference were there and there was this guy and I saw him looking at my friend and I knew, I knew that he was her type. Mm -hmm. So he was there with his dad and his brother. And so, um, so I engaged in dialogue with him to kind of, and I kind of gave him the green light that, Hey, this is, yeah, this ain't, is a ain't me, friend. this you, this you. Like and so he picked up on it. And so he was trying to engage in a little small talk with my friend and she wasn't being responsive. 
And when we when we finally sat down, I was like, what were you doing back there? And she was like, well, Rob, if he really wanted to talk to me, he would have kept talking. I'm like, no. I'm like, look, this guy's over six feet tall. He's handsome. Apparently, he has a prosperous career that enables him to travel to Dallas at will from yeah. North Carolina to look at football games. <laughs> <laughs> he has pick of the litter. Yeah. I said, when you have interactions with men like that, what you want to do is you want to be responsive, especially during the first interaction. Because when you're responsive, it puts the man at ease and it makes him more prone to open up. Fast forward a few months later, she was at a conference for her work. A guy approached her. Um, he introduced himself. And she said she was about to go into that old mode. And she remembered what I said. And her response was, well, I was wondering when you were going to come over here and speak to me. Oh, hey, and she said, the guy, yeah, he he yeah, she said, my man up. did this. Boy, I'm telling you. And he sat there and talked to her for the remainder of the night. And uh, after the conference was over, he later called her and said, hey, um, I forget where he lived, but she lived in Florida. And um, he said, hey, I know we made plans to meet here. I can't wait until then. Talk about it. He said, I can't wait until then. I need to see you like now. So I'm coming to blah, blah, blah. And she let me hear that message. I said, that guy's going to marry. And he did. So you drop some gems, ladies. Rob. You drop some gems. Oh, well, thank you. Sir. Women need to understand that because they feel like if you play hard to get, that's gonna make no. them. There might be no. some nineteen thirteen stuff, but right now we no. people swiping right, swiping left, swiping left. They don't have time for all that. You gotta, you gotta be no. able to pull the trigger and, like you said, responsive, not pursuing, but just being able just to be responsive. Respond. Just be responsive. <laughs> yeah. The plant now. Now, if you're genuinely interested in the guy. Do not play hard to get. I, I just don't think that's no, good that's counsel. Stupid. That's stupid. We're we grown now. Yeah, we're grown. Yeah. I think that works with men who don't understand the value of their time. And the value of themselves. Right. I had a woman tell me this, and I got to drop this. I had a woman tell me, um, I expressed interest in her, and um, and she was like, well, it's not mutual. It was like about a couple of weeks later. She was like, well, I just don't really, you know, I don't really see you like that. You know, I see us as friends. I said, cool. I said, that's great. I said, I can release myself and I can move on. Just that easy? You're just willing to move on that easy? I said, oh, yeah, because yeah. I know my value. I said, let me tell you something. I don't need a whole lot of wives. I need one. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out who she is. So if you tell me it's not anything mutual, I'm good. Right. I said, the unhealed version of me will make me keep trying to pursue you. The healed version of me would be like, cool, you're not the one and I move on. You know, no, no, no harm, no foul. But... For her to say, well, see, I kind of think that you should be more aggressive and still. I said, no, 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 no. I recognize my value. I recognize my value. I shared with you my interest. You told me you don't reciprocate it. Then why in the world would I keep going down the path of pursuing you if it's not mutual? I said, that don't even make sense. See, that thing right there will preach. And here's where I see a lot of women make the mistake. So because you're a man of substance, you say, hey, this woman isn't into me, I'll move on. But oftentimes what women miss is those guys who stay there and pursue them when they have no real substantive (laughs) basis. Yeah. 
the question women should ask themselves at that juncture is what is the basis for this man's pursuit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it can't be my wonderful personality because I haven't given him that. No, and I done shut him down at the very I, beginning. I shut him down. So what is the real basis for his pursuit? Well, he wants to sleep with you. Yeah. And in most instances, once he's attained that, he gonna, he gonna move he on anyway. It. He moves on. So that is not, so ladies, the, the point being, that is not a reliable barometer for a man's interest. At all, at all. Is it continue? I said, I'm not going to Steve Urkel you. I'm not going <laughs> to Pepe Le Pew you. I understand my, I'm not going to wear you down, Laura. No, the reality is, I approach you like a yeah. gentleman. If you're not interested, thank you so much, Queen. I move on on my merry way. Pun are intended. You, are you sure we weren't twins separated at birth? Because I, I have feel, that same perspective. I kind of feel like we were. But even I know a lot of women tend to be like, you sure have a lot of female friends. Because they hear me talk about a lot of my female friends. So they're going to they gonna be all in. You, Rob, you, you sure got a lot of female friends. How you going to balance that out when you get married? How you going to do that or whatever? I have a lot of them. Trust me, he's going to take care of it. Yeah. Uh, so it, it just is what it is. But listen, thank you so much for uh, being on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, we may be brothers. We, we bald-headed. Yeah, you know. we bald -headed. Yeah, you know, both look like Will Downing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you look like well, you look more like Will Downing than I. No, do. no, it's you. I, I told you that a while ago. You look like Will Downing. It is what it is. So embrace that. Uh, hey, y'all, give it up to my uh, give it up for my boy Rob Perry on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Thank you, brother. Thank you, King. I love you, brother. Thank you so much. Discover, uncover, recover love with the new Dear Future collection. The journey starts from within. Let your inner thoughts find freedom on the pages of this richly hued Dear Future Blue Sapphire Edition Genuine Leather Journal. It features a cross-stitched spine and luxurious cording to bind your deepest insights. A great accompaniment is the Dear Future Luxury Bamboo Fountain Pen. There's nothing more intentional than the writing process of a fountain pen. This is an elegant writing work of art. Join the thriving community of fountain pen enthusiasts and purchase one today. These exclusive items and more are available at dearfuturewifey.com. Man, I hope y'all really enjoyed this episode. I love it when I get an opportunity to talk to my brothers, break bread, and just keep it lit. Yes, man. Um, but here's my favorite part of the podcast where I speak to my future wifey. Dear future wifey, today is International Women's Day. Allow me to celebrate you. You've defied all odds. There is no ceiling you can't shatter. Your brilliance astounds me. I'm always left in awe how you figure out what seemed to be impossible. Your sheer determination to never stop gaining knowledge is so attractive. To be honest, it's kind of selfish for me to admire this quality about you so much. I love it because it shows me that you'll never stop trying to learn me. It makes me feel you'll deep dive into reading the pages of my heart as if you're preparing to write an essay entitled, Love Is. You extract the can out of can't. Jesus must have gotten the miracle of the five loaves and two fish from you because you work miracles in the kitchen. This may sound crazy, 
But watching you worship the Lord is foreplay. Your spiritual connection with our Lord and Savior is what sets the atmosphere for our love life. Loving him is loving me. Happy International Women's Day. Your future hubby. Thank you for listening to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit. Live intentionally and transparently. And don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family.